0: gosh on exploring the prophetic today we have lisa bevere and this is so awesome and exciting for me because i love john and lisa i just think that they're thought leaders of my spiritual journey (laughs) they're thought leaders in the body of christ they like say things that reform me and cause me to think differently all the time yeah and both of them i know lisa's predominantly has been doing women's ministry but they've both been doing all kinds of across the board ministry just inspiring the body of christ Lisa has been in ministry for over three decades, empowering women of all ages to really find their identity their purpose. And she's a New York Times bestselling author. I don't know if you know that, but it's amazing. She's she's uh, written Adamant, Lioness, Arising, Girls with Swords, and without, uh, without Rival. I almost said revival. Without Rival. And uh, these are in the hands of millions worldwide because her and John had a vision through their group or their organization messenger international to actually give away over 20 million resources so far in 106 languages which is to me phenomenal so we have lisa on today and one of the conversations i wanted to have with her because she's been around for a while now over three decades in ministry john's been in ministry i think even a little bit longer and um watching their life with their sons and their family and watching their sons now be young adults and starting their own families and watching such a healthy model a family. I wanted to ask them about that. Like, how do you hear from God for a family? How do you hear from God or train your kids? Or how do you, how do you connect to them in a real way? But I also want to go deeper, not deeper in that. Cause it's a deep subject in itself, but in a whole nother like that we want to talk about healthy living. So I'm going to ask her, cause I think there's the way that they process and think about Christianity is actually one of the healthier versions of it, I think. And they've had to, I love their kids call them oversaved. I've heard them say it several times. We've had to come out of some religious stuff throughout the years and they've detoxed it and they've helped the church detox it and they've come into new ways of thinking, new ways to process. And I think that's amazing to be, to watch spiritual figureheads who go through an actual vulnerable change through their process and through their ministry and actually share that with others to me is huge. So this is going to be a great episode. Before we get there, I'm going to share with you some new projects we're working on. I have a new eight-week e-course called God's Secrets, and this is developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge. And I'm gonna take you through teaching, activations, impartations, even quizzes to understand what words of knowledge are and how to have a biblical-based approach to applying these in your everyday life. I wanna encourage you, download it now. You can do it online at your convenience over eight weeks and it's gonna change the way you think about the prophetic. Go to BowlesMinistries.com or com. Welcome to Exploring the Prophetic. I'm so excited today. We've actually tried to do this actual taping of this podcast with Lisa Bevere, who's on with me. This is our third time, but third time's a charm. Yes, we're together. I was worried maybe I wasn't
1: saved. I'm like, Lord, is there something wrong in my life that this isn't happening? No, it's
0: because it's going to be one of the best ones we've ever done. I mean, I just knew as soon as we couldn't get the technology working between our two crews, I was like, something's going on. pretty <laughs> <gonna be> crazy. <laughs> well, you are like literally everywhere in the world right now. I think I, if I look at your travel schedule, I get scared.
1: That's why I, I don't. I don't look at it. I I just over. pretend like, hey, I'm leaving tomorrow, and then I'm going to get to come home, and I I don't let it overwhelm me. <laughs>
0: I know but I love that you guys have the capacity for it right now cuz I know that there's something going on to where you know God's heart and love is driving you to do this and I mean just your story your 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 life story and even where your stage of life with your kids where they're at right now and it's just such a beautiful picture of um what it should look like I mean I think you and John do life so well as far as someone who's looking from the outside in going wow like your your boys now, so we're getting married. It's awesome. We're gonna have three married.
1: It, it's gonna be awesome. We have just one on the market. I'm concerned my popularity is gonna plummet when I won't be able to auction off any of my sons. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it's so it's funny. True. And you have
0: good looking kids. I mean they're like they're like great guys. Yeah, they're yeah. the best things we've I haven't done. met them yet.
1: You would love them and they would totally love you.
0: Oh, I know. I just feel like I want to do extreme things with them. I feel like they're all adventurers, and so I just want to go play with uh, them.
1: I think I think my <laughs> oldest son, who is a parent, he he's probably not gonna do danger with you, but all the other ones, they would they would totally be on board with that. As would I. Oh, that's so awesome. uh, John golfs and I shoot guns, surf and ski. So <laughs> yes. that's there had to be one danger gene parent for raising four boys.
0: Totally. Well, it's funny because with my girls, I'm actually the one who's, I was the one who almost died all the time because of stupid things I did. And with my girls, I'm actually the one who's the protector. Like she was like, stop telling him not to do that. Like it's okay. And I think, I don't know if it's the dad thing with daughters, but I'm just so not overprotective, but I'm just really conscious of how they're going to get hurt. Well, they're three and four. So so that's
1: probably good. You know, three and four is (laughs) kind of minor. Mine are 32 down to 24. So it's a little different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly. Well, let's go into the the journey of this the show because we're exploring how when we hear from God, it changes yes. our options. and I know you have so many stories you know, you can tell just because of your life and your walk with God. I mean i I was reading your guys's books in the eighties and you know, now we're in today where you guys are still having I think an even obviously greater impact than you've ever had, but there's some stories even currently. I was reading one of the stories about your son who heard from God and how it changed kind of your guys' perspective in life. Do you want to tell about that story? Yes, you know, and and, and that
1: was kind of a mom fail. The truth be told, one of my sons, you know, he's the second son. And my oldest son is a great negotiator. So every toy that came (laughs) into the house became his. It was like, hey, you know, let's put our toys together. But then, you know, he's the older son. So I remember it was Austin's birthday. And we said, Austin, this Lego man and motorcycle It's only yours. This is not Addison's. He does not get to grandfather it in. This is your Lego man, your motorcycle. I can't think. There might have been one other element, just yours. And so he, you know, like he received that with like, thank you, deep gratitude, mom. Thank you. You know (laughs) I've been struggling. He he was probably three or four years of (laughs) age. Every parent. Yes, three or four years of age. And I think I had just had Alec, which meant um, three kids, a husband that traveled full time. So I, you know, taking showers was a really big deal to me. So I remember I'm in the shower and Austin comes wailing in and he yells, I can't find my Lego motorcycle, bad. I'm like panicked. I'm like, no, 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 this cannot happen. So oh, I man. said, all right, Austin, look. And I gave him a place, look here, see if it's there. And I'm like, hurrying as fast as I can to get out of the shower, to find the Lego motorcycle man. And I hear the spirit of God say, tell him to kneel down, pray, and ask me where it is. And I will tell him. And I was like, no, no, we don't do that because he's like four. I am not going to take any chance of my son being disappointed. I'm not doing that. So I just, so Austin comes back in and he's like, it's not there. And so I said, Austin, okay. I tell you what, why don't you look, see if it fell into the ficus tree? We had like a silk ficus tree. I said, go shake the tree. Maybe it'll fall out of the tree because they were up in a loft. So, and God's like, are you seriously not telling him what wow. I told you? He said, I love your son more than you love your son. And so he comes, I was like, okay, I'll tell him if he comes in. And he still hasn't found it. So he comes back in. And I'm, again, I'm still in the shower. I'm just like, okay, kneel down, ask God. And he's going to tell you where it is. So Austin just leaves the room and exits to go kneel down and ask God. And I'm rushing. And I'm thinking that was the stupidest thing I could have ever done. And then all of a sudden, I hear my son screaming, God, talk to me. God, talk to me. He wasn't saying, I found my Lego man. He was saying, God, talk to me. And he had told him exactly where it was. And Austin went and picked up his Lego man and came running into the shower with it. And it was such a moment for me because the truth is God wants to talk to our children. He doesn't want to just talk through us to our children. He wants to actually talk to our children. I, and Austin was either three or four years of age when that happened. And to this day, he still remembers that story. It was just such a pivotal point for his Well, him. I mean,
0: it's such a marker. Yeah. I think my wife and I both were saved at three. And so we remember encountering God, you know, and we didn't know each other until we were way adults. But I mean, when I was four and five, I remember things that God spoke to me still today And I'm looking at my daughters and they're having like, they go from like talking about poop to actually having like a mature conversation about why did Eve eat the apple in the garden? Can you explain it to me, dad? Like I need to know. And Uh, so there's something about like actually believing, you know, how Jennifer Toledo or Bill Johnson says they don't have a junior Holy Spirit. So what was that like having your, your boys and raising them like in, in without awareness?
1: You know, it was wonderful. First of all, I, you know, I want to say, I mean, you complimented John and I and our boys, and I, I do, I, I wanted to say our boys are amazing, but John and I are absolutely ridiculous. We are, we're first generation Christians making things up as we've gone along. We've been so <laughs> like over harsh or over saved as our kids would say. You know, I remember having to talk John into, it's okay if we get a, a dust devil vacuum cleaner because the devil eats dust. And John was like, okay, I, you're right. We can do this. <laughs> I mean, we were that, we went to the extremes. So our poor children <laughs> lived yeah. under that kind of ridiculousness. But the good thing was that John and I are both quick repenters. So our children yeah. saw us do stupid stuff and then come back to them and say things like, you know what? Uh, I just, I just heard from God that I was too harsh. Or I was impatient or or if it was as they were older, if John and I had an intense conversation at the dinner table, we would sometimes excuse ourselves from the table, come back into the room, there's four young men sitting there, and then we'd say, Hey, so guess what? When mommy talked disrespectfully to dad, that was that was wrong. And my boys are like, Yeah, we, we knew that. We're like, Well, we're just letting you know that we also know that. Yeah. We're acknowledging, <laughs> we're, acknowledging <it. laughs> we're acknowledging our stupidity. Taking responsibility. Yes, we're taking so responsibility. You know. And so uh, for us, it was very humbling and very beautiful, and and it was that moment for me was almost like a rebuke, Sean, because I really felt like God was saying, "You want to control this, like you you want to control yeah. this, and I actually want to lead your son. Like you can't you can't wow. protect him, but you can position him. And so when we position our children to hear from God, when we position our children to obey God, when we position our children to repent, because we model it then we, we're we positioning them to go further and farther than we've ever been positioned to go. And I think for John and I, we're just in awe that our boys are doing it so much better than we ever dreamed of doing it so much earlier in their life.
0: Well, and I love that because I grew up, again, my parents were first-generation Christians, so I can relate to a little bit of what you're saying. They went through it in the 80s. You know, my mom was like a rapture evangelist, got people saved or else they might miss it, you know, that kind of stuff. And they would course correct. And when they course correct, they were very vulnerable about it. And I learned something as a spiritual son, not just a son, which is learn from your parents' weaknesses, not just their strengths. Right. And, like, don't fault them. Don't hate them for their weaknesses. But if they could be humble with their weakness, you could actually love them more. And so I did that when I went into the first spiritual movement that I was involved with where I was in ministry. Like, I was learning as much from the weakness of what wasn't happening. And I was able to acknowledge it honestly as I was from the goodness of what was happening. And I learned from both. And I feel like when people have spiritualized, you have to look at both. You have to discern what's not working. You have to discern what's working. And then you have to ask God about both. And I feel like when you, like you've modeled that in raising your boys now where they probably feel really safe when people have done something wrong, but will course correct. They're like, yeah, that's part of it versus a lot of people who've been in performance Christianity who've never have been apologized to. They've never been, they've never had someone take responsibility. They just kind of had to, they just had to work through it or just ignore it, you know, conflict avoid or whatever. You know, your sons probably are equipped because they've been modeled where there's not conflict avoiding. So they feel safe when there's something that's not quite right yet, too, because they know that there's a process that everyone's there that they could feel safe with mm-hmm.
1: that. Well, yeah. Our, Which is totally different. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we we came up in in the 80s when, you know, you didn't dare question a man or woman of God. And, you know, if there was, you know, you touched not God's anointing. And again, I'm not encouraging people to slander or attack people, but it was to the extreme where you you never saw vulnerability because they weren't allowed to be vulnerable. They were put up on this pillar of perfection. And, you know, when you say that you you learn things, not just what to do, but what not to do. You know, John and I have always said we're either going to be an example or an object lesson but everything <laughs> we do in life That's awesome. is going to be one or the other. And <laughs> I'd rather so be an good. example than an object lesson. But you know what's crazy, Sean, is some of the most uh, profound things that God has done in and through my life were things that he had to redeem, you know, horrible decisions or wow. actions that he came in and redeemed. And people will connect with us based off of our vulnerabilities yeah. You necessity. guys are extremely
0: vulnerable. I've, I've heard you teach so many times. I'm just like, there it is. You just say it, which I, I'm, you know, it, it actually creates so much rapport and because I think we're in a generation who we have so much social media and crowdsource information that people are smarter than they used to be. And they know if someone's off, they know if someone's not doing something right. And so you can't pretend anymore. The pa- the man of God can't have like a terrible marriage where they're abusing their kids or church members and then say it's all okay because I'm the man of God. You can't do that anymore. It's just too vulnerable. Like we have eyes now, you know. Right. Like we're, we have intelligence, for, but there's there's people who are looking at like you guys are leading in these really vulnerable conversations, and you're leading people into courage, which is really amazing. I know you and John both have even a different you know, thrust on what you do in your ministry and in your speaking. But one thing I really respected about you is the vulnerability. Was that hard for you? Did you have to grow into that? Was it a process or what, were you always as vulnerable?
1: So I used to try to come up with these messages to try to impress people. I was young. I was in my early thirties. <laughs> they were stupid. I'm pretty sure no one was helped. And I remember I was getting ready to do a women's meeting and I was praying ahead of time. And I said, all right, God, which of my two like canned messages should I bring? Should I bring the one about Hezekiah or should I bring the one about this? And there was nothing, Sean. He was just not answering me. And I was like, okay, God, okay, I'm I'm leaving like in 15 minutes. So you have to tell me what you're going to want me to speak on. And he said, I want you to get up and I want you to tell the women, hi, my name is Lisa Bevere and I'm a mess. I'm like, People will leave the room. We do not say that. We do No, that's not, I need a power position myself. I cannot get up there and say I'm a mess. And he just, of course, you know how he is. He did not answer me. He just said, I want you to share how I delivered you from anger. And wow. that was something, you know, I was like, hey, I'm really happy you did that, God, because that could have been really bad and embarrassing. But I don't want to tell people what I, you know, that's under the blood. You're not supposed to even bring that up. <laughs> yeah, what totally. had happened for me, Sean, was... You know, when I had one child, one child was easy. It was an accessory. You take them out, you dress them up, they behave well. And I think it was a trick to get me to have more children. When I had my second son, I remember thinking, I'll never brush my teeth before noon again. I I don't know I don't know how to survive. And my husband, we had one car and he would leave every day to go be a youth pastor and he would come home and his wife would be standing there with her nursing flaps down a spank spoon in her hands a child in her arms another one on her legs and he would be like what did you do all day and i'd be like i don't i don't even know i don't i don't know what i have done but i have been busy and i said people are calling me saying they're going to commit suicide john and i am offering to join them do not ask me any more oh, questions no. i mean literally i was like why do we have a listed phone number and so I remember John was like, you know, you need to get your life uh, under control. So he, you know, he left and I saw my firstborn son, who was like two and a half, coming down the stairs again. I'd put him down for a nap, he'd get up. I'd put him down, he'd get up, put him down. So I no longer saw a child, I saw an enemy. And I thought, this is the one who is keeping me from getting anything done. And I went storming wow. up the stairs, grabbed my little son, ran into my room, and in his, into his room, and I was going to, think, what can I do so he won't get off the bed? Because i had put the spank spoon on the threshold. He'd just step over. I mean, I'd done everything. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to slam him into the wall, put him down on the bed, and then he'll know. And and it was like I lifted my son up, and I saw in his face my own growing up as a little girl. Because I had grown up in a physically and emotionally abusive household, and every time I was hit, every time I was kicked, Every time I was slapped, I made myself a promise. I will never treat my children this way. And my son mm. was not scared of what I was going to do. He had no idea what I was going to do. He was afraid of me. And Sean, I put him down on the bed. I went downstairs. I hit the carpet. And I wept like a baby. And I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've ever had that where you cry until you're just completely empty. And in that yeah. stillness, I heard the voice of God say, because you're no longer justifying this. I'm going to take this anger out of your life. Because see, I used to say, it's John. He's too much of a perfectionist. It's because I'm half Sicilian and I've got mafia vendettas. It's because my parents were divorced and remarried. (laughs) I had all of these different excuses. But as long as we make excuses and blame other people, we are powerless to change. And so he said, that's what I want you to share. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But here's what happened. When I shared that, I, I, I am sure that that was the first time that anything really happened that was authentic for somebody's life to be transformed. I had women come running down to the altar who had either been physically and emotionally abused or were in a position where they were on the verge of doing that with their children and confessing their sins, which confession is very different than apologizing. Apology says, I'm really sorry I was angry, but you pushed me too far. Confession just says, I'm sorry. I own it. And so that was the beginning of everything shifting for me.
0: Well, and I think I, one of the things I'm loving about this interview is that here you stand as, uh, in my mind, someone I really, i just so you know, I, I don't mean to, this is flattery, but I just really respect you guys. I really respect who you are in your journey. And I think the way that God speaks to you consistently actually is transformative personally. Yeah. And then it's transformative in the way people think in their minds. And I think a lot of times when we think about hearing God's voice, we think about prophets and we think about you know, crazy assignments to speak to world leaders and whatever, we don't think that the Holy Spirit is first called friend, counselor, you know, confidant, these kinds of comforter, that he actually comes and he actually disciples disciples our inner culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're such a great representative. Like every time I hear you teach, I, I feel Holy Spirit discipling my inner culture. He's like, he's touching the way that I think about the world around me and myself and my family and it causes conviction conviction is a great word that i would put next to your guys' names in a healthy way which is so beautiful and so i, I don't think a lot of people when they're exploring the prophetic think about the fact that we have a lot of growing to do and the holy spirit's the only one who can get us there and you guys are a great example you model that which is so awesome well
1: thank you and you know here's the thing i do believe that god wants to speak to us more than we want to hear from him and, totally. and I decided in my early 20s that I was tired of hearing everybody else say, well, God said this to me and God said that to me. And I said, you know what? You're not talking to me the way you're talking to everybody else. But your word says, my sheep hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they will not hear. And you said that if I call, you will answer. And you will show me great and mighty things that I don't even yes. know of. So God, I need you to talk to me. And I remember I put pen to paper with a journal And I don't know how it began for you, but it was as fast as I could write down God was speaking to me. And I don't think he did that because I'm a minister, Sean. I think he did that because I'm his child. And so I think so many people don't understand that God is always speaking. Sometimes he's speaking through a song. Sometimes he's speaking through the wonder of creation. Sometimes he's speaking through a leader or a family member or a friend, but... There's times that he actually wants to speak directly to your spirit and we just, we need to honor it and sometimes just dare to write it down.
0: Yeah. I kind of had this joke that I tell people when I'm doing any kind of training and I said, if you can't hear from God for yourself, I don't know if I trust you hear from God for me. Like if you don't feel like you have a real relationship with God where he's leading you and loving on you and where you can receive that, it's hard for me to believe that you're going to do very well for other people. So we have to be our own best personal prophet for ourselves. Wow. In the sense of really knowing him. And I I think that's new for people because they were modeled. Like back in the 80s when prophecy was first brought out, the people who were bringing it, oftentimes they would say, I don't hear God for myself which to me represented I don't have good self-connection yeah, to God or to myself. There's that performance. And it's a performance. Yeah, I'm doing something for God. So yeah, I think that's part of what I'm hearing from you is like I love it because it's the model of or just the lifestyle of intimacy with God, like intimacy with God. Like we get saved, and that's like our biggest gift ever. But on top of that gift, we have the Holy Spirit who speaks to us and who disciples us, you know, like who takes us on a journey. And I'm like, if you don't have the second part, I don't know that I even trust like the first part. You know, it's like I, there's this place where – we go on a progressive journey. That's part of exploring who God is. And so I love that. I love it. Tell me this. I'm going to, here's one of my, My. it's kind of my ending question. I always ask people, what's the riskiest thing you've ever said that God's told you to say?
1: Okay. And this one is really scary. So I was not in the ministry. I was working as a uh, cosmetic representative. I had eight states. I worked for Elizabeth Arden and I was traveling with this be- oh, wow. beautiful, beautiful, Young woman, beautiful young black woman, and she was always sick. She was always like, "I don't feel like I'm coming in today," or that. And so, she was also a Christian. So I came to her room at the end of the day, and I and I said, "So, hey, what's going on?" And I said, "Can I pray for you?" And she said, "No, no, you don't need to pray for me." And I said, "You know, so so what's going on?" And she said, "You don't understand. I, I you know I used to be a Christian like you, but you don't understand. Everything has changed for me." And and the Holy Spirit shone. Holy Spirit said to me. She has herpes and she thinks wow. that because she has herpes that I don't love her and I haven't forgiven her. And he said, you tell her that you know what she has and that I love her. And I'm like, okay, God, no, no. Can I just tell her that you love her? Cause I can just, we'll, we'll just do the love part. And so I just said, you know, Tracy, I'm, I, and I just came out there. and I said, Tracy, you think God doesn't love you, but he does. And you, and he said, she said, no. Cause if he did, something would change. I said, you think he doesn't love you because he hasn't healed you of herpes. And all the air was immediately sucked out of the room. And I thought, oh my gosh, I want to die. But she just started to weep. And she just said to me that, you know, I got drunk. I was at a party and this guy raped me. And it was my first ever sexual encounter. And I contracted herpes. And we prayed that God would wash away not only her shame but that he would touch and heal her body because i think that when people don't know they're forgiven they can't receive they can't receive Absolutely. Healing, physical healing. And so um, yeah so anyway and, and so that actually opened the door where Sean over the last couple well maybe 15 years i have been praying for people in meetings that have stds and getting the reports of them being totally healed. Quoting Psalm one hundred yes. three over their lives, and um, you know, just you know, redeeming their souls from destruction. Who who forgives all your sins and not or it's not a, like you get to be forgiven of your sins or healed and heals all your diseases. And we we're wow. okay with the nice diseases being healed, like you know. And again, no disease is nice, but acceptable. Like it's socially acceptable to have yeah. this. But a lot of times when people have STDs, everybody thinks, well, you got what you deserved. But what they're forgetting is, first and foremost, none of us get what we deserve. We all deserve judgment yeah. and we get mercy. So that just knocks yeah. that off. And, and then the second thing is, you don't know how these people contracted this. You don't know that. And so, Absolutely. you know, I just feel like that's who our God is. But that was probably the scariest, scariest thing I've done. Because uh, it, it was at the beginning. I think, you know, I think that once you know the voice of God, it's, it's not as scary but when I w- that was still at the very beginning when I was like, is this you yeah, God or is I, this I me? think though
0: because that feels like it's almost like you know all confrontation if you do it well actually builds relationship and that's one of those times where God's using the prophetic to confront shame in someone's life so even if it's a positive confrontation it's still a confrontation so I think even as you grow in this like for me personally you might be different. But I still feel, like, nervous sometimes when I'm even talking to a close friend. I'm like, hey, God showed me something, and I want to know if I can share it with you. I'm like, usually, like, if they're someone who's close to me, like, uh-oh, that means I might be hearing something that I don't know if I want to talk about. You know, like, I don't, you're bringing up something, you know, because you're throwing a God card on it, and it's always for their good, but anything that's awkward is awkward, and then God brings his love on it. But I just say that for our listeners, because you might, God might lead you to, love on someone in a way that and and sometimes there's the beautiful side of the love and then there's the awkward side of love well and then sometimes I, I, what you described as awkward, it was very you know, really awkward love
1: and and i will and i love that you like you counterbalance that that sometimes that loving thing is a corrective thing we had a, an yeah. amazing friend of ours and um this is back you know john and i were married he was still single and i had a dream and in my dream i saw him sleeping with a woman and i it was mm. so vivid i woke up and i said john Your friend is sleeping with somebody. And John was like, okay, uh, that's really nice. I'm like, you need to call him and tell him that if he continues in this, he's going to miss something beautiful that God has for him. And John was like, no, you know what? I'm not calling him and telling him that. I said, well, then call him and I will tell him that. And so we called him and um, he was like, you know what? I am. I, I don't know how to get away from her. I don't know what to do. And we said, why don't you come visit us? And it was so amazing because he was the best man in John's wedding and he wow. ended up marrying a friend of ours that we introduced him to that weekend, who was one of my sorority sisters and they pastor a church now. And so, That's amazing. so it's sometimes that correction isn't to shame you or to call you out or to position no, it's the person. You to real life. Exactly. It was to rescue yeah. him. And to put him in a path that, you know, God said, this is going to be amazing. And they they are a stunning couple doing a great work with a beautiful family.
0: I love that. You know, Matthew 5, verse 8 it says uh, in the message version, I don't know if you've ever heard this version. It says, blessed are you when you get your inside life right, because then you can see God in your outside world. Oh,
1: Jesus. I love
0: that. And I think, oh, it's so good. I've, like, I've been living in that scripture this year. And I think that this is one of those kinds of conversations where it's like, if we allow Holy Spirit to speak to us and, you know, Again, it's exploring the prophetic. If we're hearing God's voice, it's actually going to cause us to get our inside world right. And if you're trying to hear from God just for a performance or just for results, you're not going to really hear God. It's not going to work because it, he, when he speaks, we have to move. We have to change. And I love that we're talking about both sides of it. The beautiful side, embrace your destiny, but also the other side, which is stop doing what's blocking you. God loves you too much for you to live a lesser life. So he's going to come and talk to you about that as well, which is so awesome. Wow, well, we're out of time. and I love this interview so much, Lisa. I love you. I I'm so appreciate who you are. Um, tell people how to get a hold of you. Well, what, can, where's your uh, website?
1: Well, we, they can always connect with us through Messenger or Lisa Bevere. There's a org. They can connect with me through Facebook, okay. Instagram, Twitter. There's almost a frightening number of Connecting
0: with me and then <laughs> there is, you guys have so much good free content <laughs> oh, out there. You. you have great books oh. that are paid content and, and courses and all that stuff. But you guys put up so much and you've given over twenty million resources yes. away. Yes. Which to me is like thank you so much for even having faith for that. Because I know as a resource producer, that required miraculous faith and so and you're still giving them away all the time. Mm-hmm. But you also have Sites where people can go and get materials, curriculums, and Messenger International, and then also Lisa Bevere. So I would encourage you, listening audience, to connect to Lisa. She is one of the, I mean, you're going to go on a, A journey of your own just by hearing this woman's voice and hearing what she represents. If you haven't already just through this podcast, but thanks so much for being on. Absolutely. I so appreciate you. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bowles, and I want to encourage you to continue the conversation with us online at www.bowlesministries.com. We have exciting resources, e-courses, books, even children's materials to help you grow in the prophetic and go on a continuing journey of hearing God's voice. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate and tell all your friends. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together.